When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of Megan. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I'm going to do everything I can to make this place feel like home. I just wish I could see them again. I'm not equipped to handle this. I don't even take care of my own plants. I have this project at work. Do you want to see? Yes. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Okay. Megan, your goal is to protect Katie from harm, both physical and emotional. Is that a doll? Model 3 generative. Android. Megan, for short. I can't believe you made this. I love it. Wanna hang out? Yeah, sounds like fun. Great job. It's nice to have a friend. It's honestly like she's part of the family now. They could be building emotional connections that are too hard to untangle. She's the happiest she's been since her parents died. Eat the toppings, Katie. Research shows if you force a child to eat vegetables, they'll be less likely to choose those foods as adults. Is that so? Yes. Experts say... Megan, turn off. I thought we were having a conversation. Does she talk? Make her say something. Stop! Don't! Megan! You should probably run. <laughs> Megan, she pushed Brandon onto the road. I won't let anything harm you. Megan, turn off. Recalibrating response model. <laughs> Megan! What's wrong with you? Don't worry, Katie. I won't let anything harm you. Ever again. Alright everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for Megan and the story is as follows. Megan is a marvel of artificial intelligence, a lifelike doll that's programmed to be a child's greatest companion and a parent's greatest ally. Designed by Gemma, a brilliant robotanist, Megan can listen, watch, and learn as it plays the role of friend and teacher, playmate and protector. When Gemma becomes the unexpected caretaker of her eight-year-old niece, she decides to give the girl a Megan prototype, a decision that leads to unimaginable consequences. The film is starring Allison Williams, Jenna Davis, and Violet McGraw. It is directed by Gerard Johnstone and written by Akella Cooper. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Cody Derricks. Well, hello there. Josh Parham. Hello, hello. And Dan Baer. You should really use a coaster. <laughs> All right. 2023 is off to a surprisingly fun start here. Um, I will confess wholeheartedly, I didn't even see the trailer for this movie when it dropped. I saw the memes that pe- that people were posting online of her dancing and all of this stuff. But I just thought to myself, okay, this is your typical January dumping ground movie. And in a way, it kind of is. But what's most surprising about Megan is how aware it is that it's one of those types of films and it fully embraces it, runs with it. It's a very fun movie to watch, especially with a crowd uh, produced by uh, Blumhouse. It's probably going to do really well, I think, considering the budget is less than $15 million as well. Uh, But let's get into why Megan worked, I think, for all of us here, at least uh, from what I understand. But I could be wrong. Why don't we hear first from Cody? Cody, what did you think of Megan? With a, with a three, might I add. 
Yeah, Mithrigan. Um, I actually <laughs> had a pretty good time with Megan. I went in knowing it would be kind of aiming for campy, and it definitely is aiming for that. It is trying to be a kind of memeable, memorable movie that gets talked about with, you know, excitement and kind of a, a, almost an irony to it. And what I wasn't expecting is the kind of across the board positive reactions getting so far. And I mean, I would be part of that. I, I definitely lean positive on this movie. I do think at times it can lean a bit too far into the self-awareness and that does prevent it from being like true camp, not to get into that discussion, but you know, because it is aiming for that level of irony and self-awareness, I think it is just not fully successful in its aspirations per se, but that almost doesn't matter because the main character, Megan, the titular role, is such an incredible character. This is it's, you know, watching this movie, I was watching the birth of a future horror icon in real time. She's up there with Chucky. It's just such a fully fledged character that is well executed, well performed, shockingly menacing at times, which I was not expecting for this movie. And yeah, I had a really good time with this. It's definitely a solid horror comedy. Don't go into this thinking it's a full-fledged comedy or full-fledged horror. It's a, it's a fusing of both. Okay. All right. Uh, let's hear next from Dan Baer. Dan, do you agree with Cody's take? And what did you think of Megan? Um, I think I mostly agree with Cody's take. Um, I, I get what he's saying about, like, by trying to intentionally be campy, it is therefore not really campy. I get that. But I don't think it's trying to be campy. I think this is one of those things, like, looking at that it is from the screenwriters of Malignant, which is something else that was, you know, a horror movie that was really just had the courage of its convictions all the way through to be as wild and just batshit insane as it wanted to be. This one is playing with a similar idea, but to less like, oh my God, can you believe they just did that ends and more Oh, lol, this is so ridiculous. Yeah. The killer doll concept is like, you know, it's not new. It, it is basically the 2019 Child's Play remake, except better in every imaginable way. <laughs> um, About, you know, like a doll that has not come to life, but is, you know, has an artificial intelligence and that artificial intelligence does what, artificial intelligence does and grows beyond and does not, um, you know, conform to how the creators thought it would behave. And it uses a lot of horror tropes to not exactly poke fun in itself, but to make sure the audience is having fun. It is constantly saying, you know, like, we know. This is incredibly stupid. And we know that you know this is incredibly stupid. And that can be um, annoying in the wrong hands, but this is very clearly the right hands all around. This is so, so freaking entertaining from the from that first um, fake commercial. With that opens the movie that had me rolling in the aisles because it's so perfect all the way to the end of it. I just had an absolute blast. It is even more fun in a theater full of people. And I love this. <laughs> all righty. Josh Parham. Did you play with Megan? <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? I would say very much that I did enjoy this movie. Uh, we did mention Malignant a little while ago, and it makes sense because it's from a lot of the same creative team of that movie. You know how much I love that film. I would not say this is quite on that level. I do agree with Cody that I think that the self-awareness of this movie does sort of take away a little bit of the all-out craziness that it could really indulge in. I also think that anytime it really isn't squarely focused on the character of Megan, this movie's kind of tedious and boring to get through. Like there's a lot of setup to this film that I really did kind of 
struggle to get through. But as soon as Megan shows up, the movie just comes alive. And I agree that this is just such a very engaging character here. There's such a presence to Megan that every time she's on screen, you just can't look away. And she's it's just so fun to just revel in all of her evilness. And it's so fun to watch. And I think everything else that isn't Megan kind of just doesn't really live up to that to that level but when she's there it, it's such a it's such a fun time uh it's I, I agree it's not really a scary movie it definitely is more of like a roller coaster ride of a horror movie but i still found myself thoroughly entertained by it so not great I, i'm not going to oversell it to people but i did have a really really good time with it Listen, all I'm saying is that next year's best picture race is over. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> it is technically my number one of 2023 so far. So. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, that's until Cocaine Bear comes out. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, you know, naturally. All right. But for real, though, a lot more fun than I was expecting. That's for sure. I really had no idea what to expect heading into this. I kind of just went in completely blind and. Dan's right. From the opening commercial that played, I kind of had a feeling what kind of a tone we were about to take here. And I was saying to myself, oh, God, please maintain this throughout the rest of the movie. And thank thank you. It did, because I thoroughly enjoyed myself watching this movie. Now, with that said, my philosophy when it comes to the whole self-awareness, let's indulge in trying to be camp mentality is if you're not going to attempt to blow me away with some sort of filmmaking technique or a story I haven't really heard before, which this movie doesn't have, then I do think that there is permission, if you will, to kind of go this route because the alternative is a boring, it takes itself too seriously horror movie that literally wastes my time and doesn't scare me doesn't achieve any of its goals and quickly gets forgotten about where with this this is a blast this is so much fun i thoroughly enjoyed this new character um who's given life by jenna davis who does the voice of megan amy donald who i guess did the i don't know what it is i don't know if it's motion capture and then they did visual effects work over it i'm not exactly sure i think that's a lot of times it looks no it's her just her with some sort of cgi augmentation to the face occasionally i was wondering the same thing i wasn't quite sure what was going on there which is great i love how it looks yeah yeah it is i love how seamless the visual effects is Uh, that that was another thing that kept me interested at least from a low budget filmmaking standpoint i was like wow I love how much they're stretching out this budget to make this character feel so believable. The only real downside to Megan, honestly, is we're going to get Megan two, three, four, five, six, seven until the end of time. Just like all these other horror movie icons continuously have all these sequels and reboots and so on and so forth. And that's just the nature of the business. I get that. Uh, But how cool is it, though, that we are watching in real time the birth of a new potential horror movie icon even though i agree with what's been said there are some jump scares in this but this is a pg-13 horror movie this isn't an all-out horror but i think that also leaves uh room for potential like maybe we could get one day a grisly r-rated megan sequel hello and welcome to novel conversations a podcast about the world's greatest stories i'm your host frank lavallo And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, I also would say that the rating is something that I I think that your mileage may vary on how much that will impact your overall enjoyment, because there are times where you do feel them pulling back on some of the more graphic violence in it. And 
I think for the most part, Megan as a character just has enough presence that it you don't notice it. But there are a couple times where she goes in for a kill where you could tell that this is going to be something that would be kind of gnarly to witness. And if it had the freedom of an R rating, you could kind of revel in that tone a little bit more. And I did... I did miss them kind of throttling back a bit on that. And and that was a little bit of a letdown, but not enough for me to say like it ruined the movie. But I think you could definitely tell in some of those moments they maybe wanted to go a little bit further, but weren't able to because of the rating that they were going for. Yeah, it's interesting. The movie that like I know it's by a lot of the same people who did Malignant, but the movie that this most reminds me of is actually Happy Death Day. Oh, okay. In that, you know, it's a horror, it's more a horror comedy right. that marketed itself as a more straight horror movie. And I think at least the first one was PG 13, too. Yeah, I think those are PG 13 movies. Yeah. And like where it's more about, you know, the characters and like the atmosphere of a horror movie than the blood and guts of a horror movie. And yeah, I, I would have definitely liked if some of the kills were a bit bloodier and gnarlier. Um, but there were some things that we did get, like when she grabbed hold of that boy's ear, I was, um, <laughs> I was all the way back in my seat. for that one. <laughs> yeah. There's that. There's a moment involving an elevator with uh, some blood where That's I actually so thought to myself in that moment, I was like, wow, I actually, they're kind of pushing the limit here of what you could do with PG 13. I actually found, um, at times. And then, you know, it was funny because uh, who plays Gemma's boss in this movie? Who Who is that actor? Uh, Ronnie Ron- Chang. Yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie Chang. This guy, you want to talk about your stereotypical asshole of a boss? A miracle that they were able to get him to basically come across that way without saying the F word once. I think I don't. Maybe he said it. Maybe he said it once. But no, the one F word in the movie belongs to a child. Y- yes. Oh, my God. You're right. Forgot about that. Yes. But still, I was like, OK, I think more so than the violence. It was with that character where I was like, this isn't rated R, is it? Because I couldn't believe that that character was not swearing more. <laughs> and he was also not as grating as I thought the character was going to be. Oh, but believe me, that's what they're going for. Oh, oh, for sure. But like he is so over the top. Yeah, he is. But when I mean, Cody, you know, when you see a lot of these kinds of movies, you know, that character immediately and you know that there's a good way to play it and a very, very bad way to play that character. And I thought that it was not as bad as I was anticipating when he first like walked onto the screen. Yeah. Now, a lot of people will probably uh, immediately go to Allison Williams and say that she gives a decent performance in this uh it didn't really do much for me honestly and that's because she and you know i don't know if that's so so much her fault but she is saddled with having to give a more grounded performance where a lot of other people are afforded these more exaggerated moments i would say i think what's so good about her in this movie is that she's fairly grounded and playing it pretty straight which allows the rest of the movie to be ridiculous because she's the kind of base that the movie is jumping off of. And, you know, a lot of the humor in the movie comes from not a self-awareness in like a Deadpool way where it's grating and sort of like obnoxious and very like aware of film tropes. It's more people reacting to this freaking doll with genuine confusion and like realistic apprehension, which is like funny. And because Allison Williams is treating the doll so matter of factly, it allows those moments to be even funnier. Yeah, like the audience isn't on the joke, but the characters are not. Exactly. Okay, that makes a lot. That makes sense. Yeah. One of the things that I particularly loved about Allison Williams in this movie is that, like, <laughs> the movie is in many ways like kind of taking the piss out of the whole elevated horror bullshit. You know, it's about trauma. Like, this is hereditary, but with a killer doll. Yeah, but not for Allison Williams, though. It's more so from the perspective of her niece. Yeah, from the perspective of her niece. But then how that sort of infects her, like, you know, this kid's trauma is now uh, focused on her. So what does she do? She avoids it. Like, you could go into a whole psychological reading of this movie, and it probably holds water. But it's much more fun for it to be a killer doll movie than an 
you know, the Babadook. No, yeah, and that's what I was saying earlier when I said that this movie doesn't take itself, like, too, too seriously in that regard. It takes itself just seriously enough, and I think that Allison Williams is part of the key to that because of what Cody said. Like, she is grounded, and that allows the rest of the film to be as ridiculous because she is such a strong anchor for it. But if I'm being honest, though, like, I, I, I didn't get that from her as much. I actually got more of those grounded raw emotions of trauma like you're describing more so from violet mcgraw and i think the reason why for me is because with allison williams the movie vaguely hints that she does not have that strong of a connection with her sister um katie's uh, mother but we never understand why and it feels like there's some backstory that's missing there and that I, I felt like that was kept vague from us, and it kind of prevented me from being able to understand Gemma's headspace. But I fully understood uh, Katie and what she was going through throughout. And I actually thought that Vidal as kind of like a therapeutic uh, method. And then I understand that for Gemma, it was using the doll to avoid having to be a new parental figure for this kid because she doesn't know how to be one. And yeah, maybe she is trying to avoid the trauma of what happened, but I I didn't get that as much. I do think that there are a couple scenes where she is able to communicate that. I think there's a moment kind of uh, in the third act, like right before the big finale, where they kind of leave this populated area and they have a kind of heart to heart about like what they're really going through, uh, especially what Katie's really going through. I thought that was that was particularly well done, but I, I do think on the whole the role of Gemma is just sort of functional. She is the adult in the situation and kind of serves that purpose. And I I will admit that I didn't find her performance to be exceptional in any regard, even in this this genre. I think that Violet McGraw is absolutely the, the more intriguing presence in terms of her performance and the character that she's playing. But I, I thought Alison Williams was good in the movie, but it wasn't like the element of the film that I walked away from being the most impressed by either. I'd say I don't think she's great, but she is what the movie needs to work as well as it does. Sure. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, and, and that's the thing, too, is that I already feel like it's like we're already spending so much time talking about these elements that like nobody wants to hear us probably talk about right now. And in a way, I feel like Josh was saying earlier, which is. Anytime the movie wasn't focused on Megan and we were dealing with the trauma of what happened to Katie's parents and Gemma and her character arc, the movie kind of was it was a little dull for me. I, I was I was kind of checking out mentally. But then all of a sudden when we would go back to Megan and she would do some crazy bonkers. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fucked up shit. I loved it. When she started singing, I lost. Oh, oh my god. god. Now, now, somebody please tell me, was that in the marketing material at all? No, the dancing was, but the singing, Not as far singing. as I can tell. Oh my god, because the singing was incredible. I got a little spoiled because gay Twitter was talking about it already, obviously, but it was still oh, hilarious watching oh, it happen. I couldn't believe it. I was in shock. I, I, I could hear Dan. Dan sat like eight rows behind me. <laughs> I could hear him across the theater <laughs> cackling. You all know the laugh. <laughs> yeah, Matt, I agree with you. I think the problem with the character of Megan being so well executed in like every way is that when she's not there, you miss her dearly, much like the character yeah. of Katie. And the movie does suffer in comparison. But again, when she's on screen, it's a freaking blast. Like every time they were like, turn off Megan, I was like, no, 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 stop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> I I loved it um, because I felt like it, the time away from Megan and away from that, uh, the energy that that character brings, I thought was kind of important for the movie to like actually tell its story. If the movie only existed as a meme delivery system, it, it, it wouldn't really be a movie. Like, there wouldn't be much of a story. There wouldn't be much forward momentum. There wouldn't be all these things. And I was impressed that it took um, its story as seriously as it did while still being able to function as a bit of a meme delivery system and having all of these 
<laughs> wackadoo moments in it. Now, I got to ask, because uh, Dan, you and I, we saw this in New York. Cody and Josh, you guys saw it in the same screening in Chicago. I'm curious to know for the Chicago crowd, because Dan and I experienced this in New York. Did your audience cheer during the final confrontation with Megan? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's that's it. That's a sign right there that the movie is going to work. Yeah, it if your audience, because our audience cheered, so I mean, if we could get New York and Chicago to agree on something, then I think all other states are going to fall in line here. No, the audience was completely on board with everything this movie was doing. There was laughs, there was gasps. It was really fun time with the audience. I will say there were are some. I don't want to say like you know genuinely terrifying jump scares in this, like in the way that James Wan would do in some of his films, but. They're pretty well executed. Like, like I, I could feel my heart skip a beat or two here or there. Yeah, the jump scares, they're there. They're fine. You know, they're effective. Like, they go, oh! And then, you know, sit back. Yeah. The movie is much better at the moments when it is <laughs> bringing such menace to yes. this doll. Like, I remember very specifically, there is this one scene where she is, like, doll is, like, watching Gemma and Katie play together. And it's a very slow push in on this doll. And, like, slowly, like, the diegetic noise fades out and the score fades in and starts, like, getting crazier and crazier. And the doll just does this little, like, head tilt at just the right moment that I was like, oh, my God. Like, this movie knows exactly what it's doing and what it wants to be. For me, uh, the moment that stood out to me, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to be vague about it because I don't want to give away spoilers. But if you all know what I'm talking about, it was a moment involving Megan sitting in the backseat of a car. Oh, and there was like a camera push in. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she's not actually supposed to be live on whatever you want to call it. Uh, but even still, like that push in, it was just like it, it was though as if it was like telling the audience, yeah, I know what I've done. <laughs> and she's like surveying the destruction of it all. <laughs> like, I will say I will say I was never scared once during this movie. No, no. none of the jump scares, none of the whatever. None of it scared me. I was there was tension. And a lot of times the tension wasn't necessarily in like. What's Megan going to do? It was more like, oh, no, the character's job, <laughs> like that kind of tension. <laughs> but again, I was never scared. But okay, again, that's OK. It's a PT-13 horror movie. I don't need to be scared, scared. I just had a good time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, it's one of those things where we all hopped on here and it's like I, it's so funny because before before we hit record here. <laughs> I feel like I'm so used to being in this mode right now of two and a half hour, two hour long podcast review dissections of all these themes and characters. And with Megan, it's like, nah, listen, fucking great time. Go see it with some friends. There's not much more to say other than that. <laughs> I mean, welcome yeah, to January. I've had, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I've had a lot of people. I posted the picture of the um, Megan, you know, screen from my screener in on my Instagram story, which was talking back at us, which was great before the movie. And I've had a lot of people ask. I'm me, sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Say, say that again. Yes. It was what? Talking. She was talking <gasps> to us. She was saying, I can't wait for you to watch this documentary about me and things like that. It was great. <laughs> no. <laughs> yep. Blumhouse nailed the marketing on the movie overall. Seriously, the marketing has been incredible. Yeah, but I've had a lot of people message me and go, is it good? And I'm like, I mean, you know, it's fun. Is it like a well-made motion picture? I I don't know. Like, (laughs) I can't speak to that. But I had a first week of January horror movie. I okay, yes, I will give it that. The, 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 The bar is beyond low there. And that's what I, that's what I'm saying here is that, like, I feel like, you know, throughout the rest of the year, I'm going to see some other horror films that are going to take themselves way too seriously. And some of them will definitely be intentionally so. Others, you know, I, I think will attempt to do something different, push the envelope, you know, maybe try to show me something I haven't necessarily seen before. But with this, this movie is just saying, hey, listen, we know that this story is rudimentary. We know that the acting is nothing special. We know the filmmaking is all stuff that you've seen before. Even the premise. Like, there were comparisons made a couple minutes ago to Chucky. So, what can we do? And I think that they leaned into the one thing that they knew they could do, and they did it really, really well. 
So just have your expectations in check and just just enjoy it. That's exactly it. Like they went at this movie, at this premise, at everything being like, okay, this is what we got. How do we make it the best version of itself? And the best version of itself is to make a version of it that just embraces the fact that this is kind of trash. Yeah. But it is tasty, tasty trash that you will want to go back for more. Now, I want to know who dressed Megan because the outfits, (laughs) my God. Yeah, she enters in this like chocolate brown pea coat and it's truly <laughs> stunning <laughs> it's amazing and the like striped long sleeve shirt under a baby doll dress i never thought of that somebody was joking afterwards i don't remember who it was but somebody who tweeted something to the effect of like i cannot believe that we're having a costume design oscar like award ceremony this year and megan cannot be a part of it until next year <laughs> i mean that coat that she wears when she's out in the forest oh like, my I god <laughs> It, like the gays are going to go insane <laughs> with the costumes for this this year. Like, oh, happy I Halloween. know Cody is already pr- planning. Like, <laughs> he is yeah, already. I'm, I'm practicing my choreo. Yeah. <laughs> the question I have is: Are you going to put like a silicone like rubber mask over your face? I won't give away my secrets. Okay, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. He's got to wait. I don't know. <laughs> Some of the other moments in this too, just involving Megan, that without spoilers, uh, her moments where she's like bonding with Katie and being like genuinely sincere and sometimes so heartwarmingly so that it's moving others to tears even those moments are played up the laughs because it's so sincere that it's teetering on we know deep down that this is fucked up and that this is not going to end well so because there's always that understanding that megan is not how she presents herself to be there is always this undercurrent of humor, tension, as you said before, Cody. And I think in those moments, too, it really, really works. Because the movie does a good job of escalating those moments. Yeah, Right. One of the smartest things the movie does is establish Megan as a genuine, helpful thing to have around when she's first in the house. And so you understand why the little girl gets so attached to her and why Gemma would want her around. And then, you know, that makes it harder once... Things start to go a little south. I actually thought there were some pretty good ethical questions also brought up, too, in just regards to, and I know, once again, this is nothing new, but our dependency on technology for handling stuff that, quite frankly, we are more than capable of handling ourselves as human beings. Uh, but I like the way that the movie handled that aspect of it. Look, when Megan started, like, clearly getting the digital assistant on her side, I was all for it. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, the the scene where they do the, like, you know, um, like, basically, like, the test run of Megan for the board of the toy company that Gemma works for, and... It, it goes so well that all of them are like in tears by the end. I was like, oh, this movie is gold yeah. because the tone in that scene is just like, it's so perfect that it's just like so innocent and sweet and just like everyone is so in awe of this thing. But we all know what movie we're watching. <laughs> like, right. And that's the thing, too. I feel like in real life, people would be asking more questions, obviously. Uh, but the fact that the humans are kind of treated like as, you know, money grab idiots uh, plays into, once again, the kind of absurdist tone that this movie is taking. So there's never really anything that deviates from that. And I, and I like that it's not just Megan and the central characters. It's everything that that storyline also impacts that also falls in line with with it. So I, I give credit where credit's due here, just in terms of striking a consistent tone. And I do like that Megan especially with the relationship she has with Katie, as we said, is treated with some sincerity to it. And I do like that the movie has an understanding that you can invest in that sincerity, but then also sort of take it 
past that point where it does become very funny. Like that moment when they do have that test run, like Dan was saying, like there is some genuine heartfelt emotion being expressed there. That is very, I think, appropriate for the characters in that moment. But then the movie also understands, okay, but we could kind of turn it up a little bit more Then you go, yeah, you just look at the board and everybody's like openly weeping. And it's like so ridiculous and silly. (laughs) And I feel like there's a lot of moments like that in this movie where it does recognize how very inherently kind of ridiculous the premises, but it also will take the emotions that these characters are going through with some seriousness as well. And I think that the balancing of those tones is done pretty well throughout the film. Completely agree. I mean, the thing, like, the movie starts with this fake television commercial for these the perpetual pets, and it basically begins with a child, like, dog dying and then saying don't worry about your dog dying you can get a furby yes like (laughs) and like for anyone who grew up in the 90s or like the very early aughts like it is a perfect oh perfect i see what you did there perfect recreation (laughs) of those kinds of kids commercials for toys like it is (laughs) <laughs> oh, I went I went on YouTube afterwards and I, I Googled uh, like what Furby commercials used to be like during that time, Dan, and they got the tone right yep. exactly to a T. Yeah. All right. So what I want to do now is I do want to get into uh, final thoughts about Megan. So anything that we didn't mention, uh, something you want to reiterate, Cody, we can start off with you here. What do you got? Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. So, uh, like I said, it's, uh, you know, there's not much to it besides it being a good time. I feel like I've said that about seven times, but again, in January, that's really all you can hope for. And for those of us who are knee deep in Oscar hoopla right now. It's really like a welcome respite for <laughs> our weary brains. So I I can't recommend it enough. I mean, part of the fun was actually the surprise of, you know, seeing it with other people that also did not know that it was going to be this fun. You know, I, I hope that us saying this is not going to set up people's expectations too high. Um, and I think that's the thing I want to be like most careful about here is just making sure everybody has their expectations and check about what yeah. kind of movie this is. I will say I was a little bit overhyped. I will. I'm sorry to say, because the reactions were so high kind of out of nowhere, like a day before I saw it. So I was ready for maybe a better consistent time than it was rather than going in with the expectation I should have had, which was, this is going to be a goofy schlocky, silly time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I would just say from that standpoint, I don't want to oversell it, but at the same time, it was way better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Everybody is chasing the high of malignant, I feel like. And not everything can yeah. be malignant. I mean, James Wan was a producer on this. Oh, so. yeah. And it has some of that tone. But, you know, for me, I know it when I see it. And this wasn't quite there, but it was still fun. Yeah. Anything else, Cody? Nope, that's all I got. All right, Josh, how about you? Uh, two things at the end here. One, no spoilers, but I will just say... I can't believe they paid off Bruce. <laughs> oh, yeah. That genuinely shocked me. That's I not shocked. That surprised me. Because it makes no sense. No, it's so stupid it's and so ridiculous. Dumb, it's the stupidest thing in the entire movie. I could believe that they were actually doing it, but it's like, at that point, I was just still sort of with it. So yeah, To be fair, I expected it, but I didn't care because the movie by that point like was so ridiculous that I was willing to throw logic out the window. Oh, yeah. Like, there was a part of me that was like, when, when did she learn to? Oh, never mind. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, this is just what we're doing for the end of the movie now. So props to them, I guess, for, bringing, <laughs> for having a payoff to that. Um, and then the other thing that I do want to mention here is I do want to say something about the whole dance 
uh, sequence that we get in this movie. <laughs> and because this was a really big part of the marketing. It, like, even if people don't know about the movie all that much, they know about this thing because it's been viral and, and a big part of the marketing. And I got to say, I was a little let down by this moment in the movie because I feel like it just starts out of nowhere. Yes. And we get no, no setup for it. Like, we don't really have an establishment of why this is happening or there's no like real diegetic music playing. And it, to me really felt like this is only here because they knew it would play well in a trailer. And I have to admit and, to being very let down by that. You, you know, it's another example of that too, that I'll also throw in there. There's a moment where she runs on all fours and that also came out of nowhere and didn't feel natural. Yeah. But at least with that one, it felt more like, learning in a situation you know again trying yeah. to be a little vague but like i could understand that one a little bit more Th the dancing just felt like this was not set up at all and this was purely for marketing purposes and and for a moment that was built up so much throughout the marketing I, when we finally got to it i did feel like wow that that's it this is the build-up to this big moment and that was a little underwhelming hey but you know what though sia came through in the end to overcompensate <laughs> so <God>. true <laughs> i i do want to say i do think the dancing i had the sim very same reaction josh where i was ready for it to be kind of built up better and it just isn't and it that's kind of the feeling i got for a lot of the movie where it's just trying very hard to be self-aware and campy and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't i thought the dancing was still funny <laughs> when it oh, was yeah. happening even if oh, it didn't yeah. make any sense the running on all fours i kind of read as her imitating the dog from earlier in the film like she had learned that energy from this vicious dog that lives next door but maybe i'm just reading way too much in a movie with a number in its title yeah the the dance like they they have like a very quick bit of her and Katie doing this dance in like a montage of like getting to know each other sort of thing. And then all of a sudden it comes back for the scene in the trailer and it's like, oh, OK. Yeah, I don't I care. A little bit more it's fun, than that. But yeah. yeah, they could have done a better job setting it up. And I wonder, like. If there was more, but it got cut for some reason, like with pacing or I don't know. Yeah. They knew we couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just felt like for such a big moment that they played up through the marketing and, you know, maybe if I hadn't seen any marketing, this wouldn't have been an issue, but it just seemed like this was going to be a really big moment in the movie and we got to it and it just felt like. Like I said, no setup. It was just here, and that was a little underwhelming. I agree, it was still fun to watch her do that dance, but it lost a little impact just because I didn't feel like it was completely earned throughout the narrative in the film. No, I agree with you on that, because also, too, like, doesn't it then just feel like, oh, we did it for the memes? Yeah, it, it felt like that. It, it felt like it really wasn't that natural in the movie. It was just they knew, oh, this will go viral and be great in our trailer. Yeah. All right, anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Dan Bear, how about you? Oh, God. Um, I love that real bitch of a next-door neighbor. <laughs> Who, by the way, I kept saying to myself while I was watching this, oh, so they couldn't get Anne Dowd? I or know. Like, yeah, character <laughs> actresses. Like, come on. But, you know, they had a small budget. It's Blumhouse. But, yeah, like the worst person in the world, truly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I absolutely. Love I one of the things that I just really loved about this movie is that they let these like, you know, e they're not necessarily even evil people. They're just like really not nice. Um, and you, they just like within a few seconds of meeting them, you're like, oh, that doll is going to kill that person. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know immediately. Like, immediately. You know, immediately. <laughs> because, like, I just love that the movie, like, just drops the pretensions of any of these things. It's just like, we know what you came here for, and we're going to give it to you on a silver freaking platter. I also think there are some, like, there is some cinematography and moments in this that are, like, much better than I had any right to expect going in there's some really nice things that they do with the lighting particularly like there are lots of scenes in katie's room at night where they use like the light coming in from the window and the lights of megan's i assume it's her charging station but they don't really set that up 
are used very effectively. And I just, this movie is so much fun. Just go bring all your friends, get drunk beforehand. Like it's a blast. All right. Final thoughts from me. Um, we pretty much said everything that I wanted to touch on. Uh, but maybe one last thing I'll say before I get to my final grade here is I'll issue maybe a trigger warning uh, for anyone that, and granted, it's a horror movie, so you kind of expect this. But if you have any kind of attachment to uh, dogs, you know, just a little bit of a heads up. I mean, but I think you know immediately. Like, for me also, whenever I see a dog in a horror movie, I know 9 yeah. out of 10 that dog is dead. So <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's to be expected. But also, too, I, I, I don't know. I, I watched this. And I could see some people around me kind of squirming a little bit because there was this... Uh, um, confusion over what they were going to show versus what they weren't going to show and so on and so forth. It's PG-13, thank God. Which, which once again, for me, I didn't know that heading into it. I had no idea about anything about this movie at all, except I saw her dancing on TikTok. That's it. Do y'all <laughs> think that this would have been a better movie if it was rated R? Like if they had gone all in on the gore? Because I almost wonder if that would have been too much. I think there would have been more chances for like a more ridiculous juxtaposition of what this little girl doll could do. And I could feel them pulling their punches, but overall it did not really bother me. Yeah. It didn't bother me too, too much. Uh, There was maybe like one or two instances where it did, but overall I felt like they stretched it as far as they possibly could go with it. And that was fine enough for me. Yeah. I think there the one that it really did seem very apparent to me and kind of did bother me a bit is the confrontation with the neighbor. That was like the biggest one where it felt like, Oh, you you really felt like you wanted to show more here, but couldn't. And you know what? That would have been a really, really cool moment for the practical effects team to show off. I think too. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. Uh, As far as a grade goes, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. It's a good time. Uh, take a friend. Hell, maybe it'll be the Avatar at the box office. I don't know. Uh, I was wondering if this would be what finally dethrones Avatar for number one. <laughs> <laughs> I will accept nothing less. It's her time. Uh, yeah. I love the character. I really, really do love the character. I also am very excited to see memes of the character, people dressing up as the character. I want, I want Megan to host the Oscars next year. I mean, I, I want everything for her. Don't you? Please. <laughs> uh, so with that said, uh, and I hope, she, I hope that she will accept this rating. I, I will give Megan a 6 out of 10. Cody, how about you? Same with me, a 6 out of 10. All right, Dan? <laughs> Look, the bitch came to slay. I'm an 8 out of 10. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because, like, the amount of fun that I had watching this movie is off the charts. Off the charts. Josh? I am a 7 out of 10. I, I did enjoy it. It doesn't quite reach the heights of some of my favorite, like, kind of crazy horror movies. But it's a fun time. And as we have mentioned, like, it's January. Pickings are kind of slim. This is far better than you would expect to be for a movie coming out right now. It is definitely a good time, and I would recommend it. Absolutely. Uh, Oscar potential for Megan. Listen, all I'm going to say is this. If the movie is like some sort of a ginormous box office hit, maybe there is a world where it gets shortlisted next year. But I'm going to say that's probably a no, too, because A, horror, B, if everything everywhere all at once can get shortlisted for its visual effects on its budget, then I don't know. The visual effects are the only thing that I could see happening, like... Because they are pretty good. I do think that it will probably run into the problem of just like so many other movies with bigger budgets and more, you know, quote unquote, impressive visual effects. And that like most people don't know if it's visual effects or makeup or they actually built a robot or who knows. Uh, the, The question that I did have, though, is if the first song she sings is original. Oh, Dan. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's one chorus. I don't think it's a song. I mean, it is a it is a ditty. That's fair. <laughs> it's not <laughs> happening anyway. 
We're just listen. We're trying to give her her due. Okay. Yeah, we're already talking about that. this segment longer than it needed to be. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Please. <laughs> Megan has expectations. I just want to make sure that they're satisfied. And Matt Neglia has expectations. We have to look at everything from every <laughs> angle on this show when it comes to the Oscars. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, that'll do it here for our review of Megan here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Cody Derricks, tell everyone that's listening right now where they can find you on the internet. I'm on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram at CodyMonster91. Josh Parm. You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at JR Parham. Dan Bear. You can find me on Twitter at Dancing Dan on Film, on Letterboxd, and Post at Dancing Dan. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. her to say at one point hi i'm megan wanna play <laughs> i would i would have lost my mind or like some knockoff chucky that would have been in it of like yeah oh, this, is, this is chucky the toy wink, wink, yeah mm-hmm. yeah this is the 2019 child's play we deserve yes i would say that. <laughs> hey, hey there. there i'm hannah and i'm audrey We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.